Uh, it's been a sad week. Um, some sad news that DMX and Prince Philip both passed away today. Uh, Earl Simmons, uh, DMX, passed away, age of 50. Uh, we know he had a heart attack the week prior, and then he was in a coma for about three, four days. And then he passed away with his family. And I think going back to your childhood, I think all most of us, uh, my generation anyway, can remember X gonna give it to you. And it's synonymous with what I remember from when I was 14, 15 years old. So somebody who generally cared about his music, cared about his fans, it is, uh, is rather sad. And we do hope that his family and his friends uh, and everybody he knew um, and knew him can get through their grief and are doing okay. Welcome back uh, to episode 9, I See Gamer Podcast. This is the podcast where we scour the web uh, to bring you all the gaming news of this past week in a 90-minute podcast. I am the Major, obviously, and I'm joined here once again by Callum and Tony. How are you guys doing this week? Hello, we're doing all right. I hope you had everyone had a great Easter. Uh, I hope you all got fat off a load of chocolate. I know you did, Tony. You do love them. You do have a sweet tooth, don't you? <laughs> On occasion. On occasion. Yep. And um, we have a uh, <laughs> we have a very special guest this week, uh, a YouTuber on a retro tip. How you doing, my friend? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, don't forget, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at ICU Gamer, Facebook and Instagram at ICU Gamer Official. Make sure you also visit our Twitch channel, t- twitch.tv forward slash ICU Gamer. We stream every Friday and Saturday. Uh, speaking of Twitch, uh, you guys remember we ran a competition last Saturday? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yep. Uh, so we actually have a winner. Uh, Chris Gaming Nook, you are the winner of the Twitch stream competition. Congratulations. Please make sure you send us a message with your platform of choice, and that code will be willing its way over to you. First, I'm hoping he's watching the podcast, like. We're listening to the podcast, yeah, uh, or we might be watching the stream. We will mention it uh, when we record the Twitch channel tomorrow. Uh, we record the stream. Um, so hopefully, if he doesn't catch that, hopefully he'll catch the uh, the podcast. And then we'll do it the week after to make sure he's actually got the message. Um, but so for the first story of this week, and this one actually caught my attention, uh, Elon Musk, how would you describe him as a, as a business person? Elon Musk, he is in intelligent he is a hard worker he literally doesn't sleep he's a vampire i think and he really likes bitcoin yes uh and now he's turning his attention to something else uh he wants to build a real life jurassic park which i think is kind of happening yeah it's it's happening you know velociraptors and t-rexes storming through london city center but this came from ign and was released on twitter a couple of days ago now um, so they're talking about his business partner wants to bring a real life uh, Jurassic Park uh, to, I think it's California where they are. Um, he's, this came from Max Hodak, his business partner, who said we could possibly, probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to. Uh, wouldn't be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but maybe 15 years of breeding engineering to get super exotic novel species. So basically, they're going to put some chickens into some sort of chain reactor or something and make big chickens. Well, if if anybody can do it, I think Elon Musk could. If out of everybody on the planet, he is he does seem to accomplish things when he sets his mind to it, which is incredible. But I don't know about this. I think this is kind of a, a silly thing to say. <laughs> Pete, what I think could happen 
is we could bring a Mega Drive for Jurassic Park the game in the middle of this <laughs> Jurassic Park and uh, <laughs> hopefully it makes the game better. Interesting theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking right. of uh, putting things in fridges and trying to uh, create something, uh, Microsoft will produce and sell Xbox Series X mini fridges uh, as it has won a Twitter poll. Uh, so this came from Twitter's own official marketing account. Uh, it's been running a competition, pitting popular brands against each other. And Xbox reached the final against Skittles and won by 1%. <laughs> thanks to this poll. Uh, thanks to everybody who voted. This was down to the wire and thrilling to follow. Now that Xbox won, they will be keeping their promise and selling Xbox Series X mini fridges. So if you've got a, uh, an Xbox One still, you, which is runs pretty hot, you've now got a hot and cold option. Thank you very much, Microsoft. I might actually buy that, considering that. Would you guys consider picking up a uh, an Xbox mini fridge as a bit of a novelty? Um, no, but but, <laughs> but um, I can see the appeal. Like lots of people have uh, mini fridges in their game rooms, right, or in their man cave, and and it makes sense to have like gaming themed ones. I'm surprised there aren't more of them. Yeah, I I'm quite surprised, but it's it's nice that Xbox are doing something like that. Uh, so we're going to be moving over to Callum with Deals of the Week. Well, I guess I get my dedicated section again. Your dedicated section again. Well, I love how I've got my own section. It actually makes me feel important <laughs> in this podcast, you know. <laughs> I don't give you a lot to do, but I try my best. Oh, I'm not twiddling me thumbs. Anyways, anyways. So the first deal of the day is Battletoads on the Microsoft Store. It has gone down from £14.99 to £3.74. If you haven't played the original games... Try these. This uh, I think it's a reboot, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yes, and it's actually pretty fun. I'm not sure if it's on Game Pass, but I think it is. So if you have it on Game Pass, there you go. You can download it for free. But Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX, that's quite a recent remaster that's come out. Well, it actually it's coming out in June the 24th. Well, it's currently available for £22.95 at the game collection for pre-order with the Switch version at £27.95. So the Xbox version is a little bit cheaper. It's supposed to Series X with enhancements. It's actually a good price, I reckon. Because usually these remakes in physical form come out around £30, £35. So that's one of the deals that it's got on the game collection currently. If you like Rage 2, it is on Game Pass. But if you don't want Game Pass, you can buy it on the Xbox and Amazon now for £4.70. Not that much of a great deal, but it is still a decent deal. And lastly, if you have a PlayStation 5, if you're able to get your hands on them, for £5 off right now, if you can get your hands on these as well, the Sony Post 3D wireless PS5 headsets are actually only £84.99 with gaming, FND2, or in caps, at Curry's PC World. Awesome. We do actually, there is one more. Uh, Among Us is currently 20% off on Nintendo eShop. Well, don't know whether we're actually going to do it yet. Are we doing a stream on the, not this week, next week for Among Us? Maybe, maybe. I'm, I, I don't know if we're 100% confirmed on that, but probably I already have it on um, Steam anyways. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've got it on Switch, so I may jump into it. Uh, I don't know whether you guys, what about you, uh, Peter? Would you be interested? Uh, do you know what? I, I do so little modern gaming, I will confess that. Um, <laughs> I, I, do play, uh, I do play quite a bit of Switch, but uh, are you asking if I'm interested in, in Among Us? Yes, in, in uh, playing so I, it with us on the stream. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I've seen I've seen loads of memes on Reddit, but I don't actually know what the game is. It's basically you are little blobs and you have to run around a base station. And I think it's either one or two of your rival opponents 
uh, is actually an alien who can kill you and you have to complete tasks. And every time someone dies and you find the body, you then vote someone off the space station. So you kick them out of an airlock right. until you get down to one or the uh, the imposters, as they're called, kill everybody else off. Gotcha. Yeah, so Pete, like, let's say we think you're a bit sus. We all vote you out, you know? Yeah, I, I understand the memes a bit more now, I think. So it's like it's kind of like the the thing, you know? Yes, yeah, sort of, yeah. It is, it is. It really is. Like, uh, who likes the thing? I think it's a great, fantastic I think film. that's a great film. The original, not the, uh, the ah, remake the they made a few years ago. I don't like that. Yeah, uh, do, you know, do you know what? I'm a huge fan of practical effects. Um, yes. And that, that film is like the golden age of practical effects. And actually, a lot of the team, although I haven't seen the recent one, I, I know they did loads of practical effects for it, which they ended up just binning and they they CGI'd the whole thing. But they actually did loads of practical effects for it that never got used. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed they don't use that anymore in modern films. I've got, got a question regarding for later now for you, uh, Pete. Uh, but no <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Callum. Uh, so... Main story, well, beginning story of this week, uh, there will be a patch for Outriders. The first big patch is coming next week. So launch players also are getting free loot with this update, and it's on its way. Square Enix has announced that its first big update will roll out, I think it's the end of next week, trying to fix some of the bugs, crashes, and performance issues. Post on Steam, Square Enix explained it hasn't got a firm release date for the patch yet, but it's scheduled for next week, as the developer is using this week to identify as many severe problems as possible. I think I, I don't know how many. Uh, have you guys played Outriders yet? I know I have, obviously. But have you guys had a go with that game yet? Not had a chance yet. I know it's on Game Pass, isn't it? It is. It's free on Game Pass day one. I've been playing it on stream, and we've been doing a, a walkthrough on YouTube. Unfortunately, I had to take the first three videos down because they were still running 144p after 24 hours. But thankfully, the first one's going to be back up today. And the second one should be, and third should be up tomorrow, full 1080, because the first one is up now and it is working. And so hopefully we will not have any more issues. But the update is going to be coming next week. I mean, I haven't seen any issues while playing it. The only one I've accompanied, I think, was once was the uh, server dropping out and I couldn't get back in. I don't understand, though. What is your opinion of online games? of games that have to be online for you to play them, especially in like single player like Outriders is. Oh, not a fan personally. I mean, I, I I never play online multiplayer stuff. So like really, you know, when I'm gaming, it's like my personal time and, and like really sort of immersive stories is what I'm looking for in modern games yeah. anyway. So the fact that, you know, if I'm buying a single player game and I have to take it online, it just seems unnecessary. It does. I, that's, I think that's the main gripe people have got with it. But I don't understand why they had to include it online as single player. It makes no sense. This came from the developers. So we're doing our utmost to deliver you a stable patch as soon as possible. And we are continually looking at ways to bring the patch release date earlier. I'm suspecting it'll probably be next week, end of next week. That gives them a, pretty much a full week to get this done. But thank you to them, though, for keeping everybody updated. I think this is the first time a developer's actually done that on a consistent basis. In addition, Square Enix announced they will give a free appreciation package to those who played or tried to play Outriders during its launch weekend. While the all the details are apparently still being worked out, the package will be available to all players who played Outriders between March 31st and April 11th, so that's going to include me, who, as well as those who played outside that window, but have fallen afoul of a bargaining automatic inventory white restoration. Thankfully, I haven't come across that. Bad news for anybody that has. The appreciation package is players' highest level character, a level-appropriate legendary weapon, and a level amount of titanium 
as well as the emote frustration, <laughs> which it seems very appropriate. These are our intentions, but these details are subject to change based on what is technically feasible to do. Square Enix wrote, we are still determined when the appreciation package will be delivered. So this patch will fix uh, all the performance issues and bugs, or they're trying to, as well as stabilising cross-play to make PC to console cross-play viable. In addition, Square Enix said the patch will reduce the chance of inventory wipe bug happening as often, while background updates were rolled out earlier today to help with rebalancing. So that is very good news. I'm going to leave this link uh, from TechRadar. Uh, which is the article it comes from in the article when we post it on Sunday. So you can have a look at all the patches that are going to be fixed with this. Uh, so I'm going to let you jump over this one, Callum. With PS4 is outselling 83% for all physical sales of Outriders were on PlayStation. Wow. <laughs> well, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. PlayStation is still the most popular, isn't it? Yeah. With the PlayStation Last gen, I don't know about this gen. Well, this is the thing. The thing is, the the numbers on this includes PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 numbers. Keep in mind, the amount of Xbox Series Xs out there, surprisingly, is similar to the amount of PlayStation 5s out there. And so, I know Game Pass is a thing, but not everyone is still buying into it. And even then, people will probably miss out on it on Game Pass because they'll have still a lot of games to get through from Game Pass. Because you have to download the game. You only got so much storage. And with Game Pass, you download all the games. So I think because most of these numbers on here doesn't include Game Pass data or digital data. So this is all physical sales. So if we just look at it like that, of course, PlayStation's going to win. Because in general, PlayStation actually sells more physical, even with the current gen kind of stuff. Because people are still confused whether they're buying the Xbox One version or the Series X version of the game. Yes, yes, that does seem to be an issue. But I think PlayStation, there are rumours circulating that PlayStation is trying to make their own sort of Game Pass for the PS5 when it comes. If you can actually get a PS5. But it'll be interesting to see how they're going to move forward with sales considering this next bit of news that Hideo Kojima could possibly be working with Microsoft on a brand new game now I think this is pretty big news for Xbox I don't know what the deal entails or everything's been done yet like if they've completed the deal but from what I've seen Hideo Kojima is working with Xbox to create a brand new game which will be xbox exclusive which would be very interesting if that does happen what i see happening is i mean yes hideo kojima will always be remembered for metal gear and people were hyped about what's its name dead stranding and yeah. uh, it looked it looked amazing but the fan base i mean the reviews are divided it's quite polarizing the game is actually quite polarizing you either love it or hate it so yes hideo kojima this is big news. This is big for Xbox. I mean, along with Bethesda behind it and all of that. But after playing Death Stranding, uh, I mean, it wasn't Metal Gear. I mean, it's my fault for expecting another Metal Gear. It's a different game. This is good. This what? is big, but but we don't know. We don't know, right? Until he reveals whatever, we don't know. Yeah. I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm going to put this out there and see if you guys think I'm on the money or not. PT was a game that people have been crying for since the yep. demo yep. came out. And they wanted the full game for Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Could this be that Kadeo Jima, because Capcom, was it Capcom, cancelled the project and wouldn't renew it, that Xbox is actually picking it up for Game Pass so we could actually get PT as an actual physical game if this deal actually happens? Because I know it is, in this article it's stating that Phil Spencer wants, wants Hideo Kojima 
to be the focal point of their campaign to leverage Japanese developers and Japanese talent to come over to Xbox exclusively. Could I be on the money with that, or do you think this is going to be something completely different? This is very interesting, and I feel it is a definitive possibility. This harkens back to, like, if you follow... What's his name? Tomonobu Itagaki, the DOA guy. Yeah. You all played Dead or Alive, right? He was one of the first few people Xbox got on board to develop DOA 4 to appeal to the Japanese market. And when he published his interview like two months ago or last month, he said, look, it's not about just favoring. It's that they came with a reasonable deal and we were all like, why not? What's stopping us from developing for that platform? So we don't know what's gone down and when we hear, maybe it'll be a decade later that we'll hear as to what went down, how this deal came about. But yes, this will move units in Japan just because of the Kojima name. It definitely will. Xbox will sell. I I think Xbox is starting to make moves. Not just to take over this generation, but possibly the next one as well if they keep going the way they're going. Especially with all the studios. Yeah. I mean, there's something else that we'll be talking about today uh, based on the schedule you sent. And based off of that, I have a strong feeling that I'm leaning more towards Xbox more than I was the previous week or the week prior to that. Xbox is going strong. Yeah, I think PlayStation may be lacking a bit. We'll get into that story a little bit later on. But there's one game that I do want to play. And unfortunately, it's been delayed again. And that is Deathloop. There is news and a release date that's came out yesterday. It's been delayed now until September 14th for PS5 and PC. So Deathloop, I don't know whether you guys have seen the trailers for anything. Have you, have you had a watch of that or had a look at it? I remember when it was trailer. first announced. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I watched the announcement trailer. Yeah, so the developers Arcane Studios, which created the Dishonored series, is stating that the game was meant to release in August 2020, following multiple delays and now won't release until September 14th. Deathloop is about an assassin cult who's trapped on Black Reef, a mysterious island locked in a never-ending time loop. And it's up to cult to end the loop, all while being hunted by the island's less hospitable inhabitants and a rival assassin called Juliana, who's determined to stop cult and keep the deadly time loop going. This game is nice for the fact it has a story and it's not just... I think there was a, a suspicion that it may be something else, but it's nice to see that they're actually going ahead with their compelling narrative on this story, and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this. When it was first announced, I thought it was like a Time Splitters sequel. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking as well. I think a lot of people had that impression when they saw the trailer, but thankfully it's not, and it's, it's actually going to be a single-player game, which is nice. Thankfully, Time Splitters is an absolutely great game. It's it's a hidden gem, really. Mm. I, I'm not too much of a fan of first person. I think we struggled when I played Apex Legends with you last week. I'm not good at it, and I hate going first person. I prefer third person view. Have you played Apex? Awful. I am streaming up right now on YouTube if you guys want to go check it out. Uh, but I was not good at all, and I died repeatedly until the end. I got one kill, and that was it for the entire two hours we played. What about <laughs> that you? Was not a good time for me. I don't think I've even heard of it. Uh, you, uh, your listeners are going to be like, who is this guy they've got on here? He doesn't know anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just going back to the Arcane thing, though, which is interesting because I was I was doing something on the, their, their cancel game, The Crossing. Have you seen that from, from about... I've heard of it. I've never played it or seen any it's, trailers. It's, I'll have to go look it up after this. Yeah, it's interesting. It's about 12 years old and it, it, it's, uh, it got scrapped, obviously, but um, it was like... 
they were trying to combine single and multiplayer. So what it was, it was set in two time periods. And you reminded me by saying it's, you know, the time split is like time thing. So there was the modern day aspect where it was like a normal first person shooter. But then you could travel through these portals and it was like Knights Templar and Assassins and stuff. And, um, and the idea was you played it single player, but other people online could log in and take control of the enemies. So that actually yeah. all the enemies in the game could at any time be taken over by like a human player. Um, and I think that was kind of the reason it was cancelled. It's just like way too ambitious. But um, it's interesting because that death loop definitely there's a few similarities with it, um, you know, in terms of, of some of the ideas, I think. Yeah, but I think I think maybe there was a little bit of inspiration, possibly by the sounds of it. I mean, uh, Dishonored would have been good if it, if you could have done, you know, had multiplayer with that. It's not so much a multiplayer game rather than it is a first-person stealth. Uh, but it, that would be quite interesting. I'll have to go check that out. Um, but we're going to be taking a short break. We'll be back in just a sec. Thank you very much for listening. You're listening to the ICU Gamer official podcast on icugamer.com. Welcome back. Uh, thank you for joining us in the ICU Gamer podcast. Uh, we are joined here by Honor Retro Trip. How you doing, my friend? Not bad, thanks. Good, good, good. Uh, so, <laughs> biggest story this week uh, for Netflix. Can I do this one? Yes, you can. You can. Go ahead. Uh, right. So, I'm a massive fan of this franchise. So, Netflix has acquired the right to stream Sony films like Spider-Man after a theatrical run. And this deal will start in 2022. So, as we know, they're with DC, like what DC's doing, they have two branching kind of universes. Well, Sony and Marvel have their little disputes where Spider-Man is part of the MCU. But there's also the Spider-Man Sony universe, which Sony is wanting to try and get Tom Holland to do some solo Spidey films in that universe to pair with Venom. These are the sort of films which will end up on Netflix. Uh, so apparently they're paying Sony $1 billion over four $1 years. $1 billion. I know. I'm rubbing my moustache as I'm saying that. I'm like, <laughs> that would actually suit you, to be fair. You look like <laughs> the Monopoly man anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, basically, so I don't know if this means that the MCU solo films with Spider-Man after 2022 will also be on Netflix because Sony still has a part in the MCU films. So I don't know if this is going to have an issue with Disney Plus as well, with those films. But with like um, the Sony Venom films and stuff, that will show up on Netflix, I believe. But also, they're also rumoured, you know, Spider-Man 4 with Tobey Maguire. That's also apparently being in the making if the MCU Tobey Maguire stuff is successful. So. And there was another movie that I've been waiting for, which I think looks unbelievably cool, with Morbius. Oh, I've seen the trailer. That is coming to Netflix once it's yep. still... I think it's next year this deal starts, but Morbius will be on Netflix. I'm looking forward to this because it's the one DC film I really want to see. I mean, Morbius is Marvel. Isn't Morbius Marvel? Well, DC is the extended universe for DC because Venom and Venom and Morbius they're both DC characters because Morbius is also. No, they're not DC. DC. No, no, no. They're Marvel, dude. So, right, basically, what ends up happening was. I swear Morbius is also Man Bat, isn't he? 
No, no, right. So what no, ended no, no, up happening? No, no. Two different right, characters. So basically, what ended up happening in the uh, Marvel world is they weren't making enough money. They had to sell off their intellectual properties. That's how Fantastic Four ended up outside of Marvel. That's how X Men ended up with 20th Century Fox and Deadpool because they sold the rights off. Quicksilver was weird because with Quicksilver. They both owned the rights, 20th Century Fox and Disney Marvel, you know, and their deal was the Scarlet Witch cannot be put into the 20th Century Fox, but Quicksilver's father cannot be mentioned in the Marvel films. And that's basically how that deal did. But with Spider-Man, Marvel owns the rights to the video games, to everything, right? Apart from the movies, they own the rights to the, uh, I think they own the rights to the cartoons, but they don't own the rights to the movies, which Sony has the rights to make in Spider-Man films. And this is why it almost ended up there not being another Spider-Man film in the MCU when their contract expired. So well, so the, the properties, the intellectual properties of Spider-Man was Mobius, uh, Venom, stuff like that is Sony's side of things. However, there might be one or two villains that showed up in Spider-Man but could actually be Fantastic Four villains because they did have a lot of crossover in the comics and stuff. So do you think we could see yep, like yep. a Sony extended universe? That is basically what is, their own. What, that is what they're trying that's to do. That's what's happening. Yeah, that's what's, that's happening. what's happening right now. They're going to basically I mean, have... The, the MCU is basically going to have... The multiverse stuff is going on, and this is perfect for Sony because Sony can go, okay, Tobey Maguire's coming back for the MCU. We know his universe is still a thing. We can now make Spider-Man 3 for Andrew Garfield. We can now make Spider-Man 4 for Tobey Maguire. We can reference the events in the MCU, but not allow to use any names that Marvel own. That is very cool. That is very cool. So I'm hoping Callum, this is going to be a uh, uh, version as well. Callum, I don't know I, I'm, uh, if you have the answer to this, but is this part of the reason why Venom in the movie did not have the Spider-Man logo on his chest? No, no, no. You see, uh, Venom in the Spider-Man movies, no, because Sony still has... Sony could make a Spider-Man film right now if they wanted without Tom Holland and release it, and they wouldn't get in trouble for it, right? So, no, it's, it's, it's not because of that. Basically, the reason why Venom doesn't have that yet is because they haven't actually established that he's in Spider-Man's world yet. But also, uh-huh. they're trying to do that crossover, but also, if you look at how Venom became Venom in the first place. He attached himself to Peter Parker's spider suit at first, didn't he? Yep, yep, yes. Yeah, that was, that was the uh, Tobey Maguire movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that's even yep. in the comics, uh, in most of the comics, that's even in the animated series, which is quite popular in the 90s. But if we look at Venom movie, there was no spider suit to kind of get an image a replica off. No. Do you think? Do you think that they could include that Tom Hardy version in the new he, Spider-Man if they were to do a crossover? Well, this is the thing. If Sony goes, okay, you can have our Venom in there. They would actually have to ask the MCU people to go. We would need rights to use some of your characters in our films, which Disney won't do unless it's a yeah. big, massive sum. Uh, what do you think about all that, Pete? <laughs> um, well, I think it's very messy. Like, obviously, like you said, them having sold off a load of the the rights and everything. And and I know certainly with Spider Man, it's like a load of villains that are owned by Sony and a load of villains that weren't bought in the deal. So like, there's some villains they can use and some they can't and everything. But I mean, the amounts of money involved. Like, if they're if they're saying like, you know, for example. Oh, give us a billion, you know, pay a billion dollars for the rights to use something. They only have to make like two films and they pretty much double their money. You know, they're, they're doing like even even on like the Spider-Man films that they're doing now, they're making like almost a you know billion dollars profit per film. So it's like 
crazy money yeah it's 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 mad but i mean is there going to be some point where we're like oversaturated by superhero stuff i mean it's not happened yet i mean i'm i'm loving it but it's going to be and i believe that there will be two spider-man universes that are literally going to be side by side and this is the thing it will cause consumer confusion. They're going to be like, if they don't link it up somehow, this is the thing. The multiverse theory, we, they can easily put at the end of the Doctor Strange tale, which apparently Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's also going to be in that film as well. So he's getting a lot of love there. If that's true, they could have, give him amnesia at the end and forget the events of the MCU. And then he could be back to Spider-Man 4 like normal. It's that going to be messy. Cool. That'd be very cool. But speaking of DC, this is coming from IGN again. It's an old saying, they're not to let a genie out of the bottle. Warner Brothers, for some reason, are forcing people to go back to theatres. So they're cutting the moving service to HBO Max. This came from Killer Told Vox's Peter Kafka on the episode of Recode Media. Institute surprising that Cineworld owner of Regal Studios announced a similar plan. But one major caveat is whether Warner Brothers are similar to deal with AMC. So back in March, AMC CEO Adam Aaron told analysts on an earnings call that you should properly assume that if we're playing Marvel movies, we came to an agreement with Warner that any changes in their strategy are being done in ways where AMC shareholders benefit. There's no, obviously, official announcement yet. But much like Universal, which has a similar deal, 45-day exclusive play period doesn't mean Warner Brothers has to put his films after 45 days. If a movie like Batman or Black Adam overperforming, Warner Brothers can keep the film in theatres longer. Statistically, this is rarely the case. Most movies make the majority of their box office revenue within the first three to five weeks, obviously, which is the first 21 to 40 days. So they're basically trying to force people to go back to theatres to watch the movies before it goes on to HBO Max. Especially with films like Godzilla versus Kong. Possibility of that being made in... I think this is coming mainly in the US. But there is Warner Bros. plans to make its biggest movies theatrical, theatrical releases again next year. So all the movies after this year coming from Warner Brothers are going to be cinema-based. They're not going to be on streaming services. Well, I'm not going to lie here. I like the cinema. I think people will still go to the cinema after COVID, the restrictions and stuff, because it's a big screen, isn't it? Everyone loves yes. that experience. And this is one way to make people go back to it. And in a way, if people aren't willing to try and bring the world back to normality, it's never going to be back to normality. It's going to be a new normal. And this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring it back to what it was, to how great life was. And in a way, in a way, People don't want to, some people might not want to pay for a subscription service, right? And to be honest, if the only reason why you pay for a subscription service is because you want to watch Batman and that's it, and there's only maybe one Batman film every five years, they're only going to sign up for one month, aren't they? And then that's yeah. it. Yeah, so, they, they sign up to watch the film. Or like I do, I, I create a new email account and sign up to watch the film and then I, it's obviously going to be cancelled because I've got the wrong details in there and I do that every time there's something out that I want to see because I don't really pay for streaming services I don't really watch television but I, this is mainly coming because of the amount of the Warner Brothers that are losing not having movies in cinemas so far they've lost 250 million globally because theatres are closed Pounds? So, like million pounds? Uh, dollars, dollars dollars 250 million dollars but that's the thing not is, that bad to be fair yeah, it's not that bad, but obviously Warner Brothers are in a pretty sorry state financially anyway. But they are looking, because the US, is mainly obviously US, 90% of the United States population has only been vaccinated. That's only 19%. That's still over 500 million people that haven't. States like New York and California, roughly 85% of people will be vaccinated by the end of this year. Uh, and New York and California also make a large percentage of the theatrical revenue in the United States. 
Uh, in China, another incredibly important market, the country's government is aiming to vaccinate 40% of its population by the middle of this year, according to Reuters. Uh, even if 2021 is a wash theatrically, theat- I can't say that word, uh, it's clear to see why studios like Warner Brothers and Disney want to play nice with exhibitors, which it's it's debatable. I don't know how, how things are going to go with COVID. Hopefully, everybody's going to be vaccinated before next year. But if not, and I know there's a lot of people scared out there that don't want to go out to cinemas, hopefully things will be all right and uh, you'll be able to go watch it. We'll see. This is obviously a plan in motion from Warner Brothers. Hopefully, they don't do something very reckless, though, with releasing movies in cinemas too early. Um, but this also comes from also from IGN. Uh, DC's film strategy makes absolutely no sense. So uh, with Warner Brothers uh, reportedly assigned to cancel both the New Gods movie from director Ara- Ava Duvani and writer Tom King, as well as James Wan Aquaman spinoff. A lot of talk about them, basically their schedule not making any sense whatsoever with the way that they're releasing movies and cutting movies, especially what they did with Zack Snyder's version of the... Uh, Justice League. The Jack, uh, Justice I do like the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut is... Oh, that is so, I actually finished that last night, and i got to say that was ten times better than the original. <laughs> the one they Easily. made with Josh Whedon was awful. That was an awful film. But DC fans, after years of campaigning Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut, which was released, it came critical acclaim. It's now got 95% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes from viewers, 78% uh, from critics, which is up there. It's it's surpassed Marvel movies reception. Uh, It's now up there with Pixar, which is incredible for one film. Finally made its DCU debut. The character pretty known as Ox is supposed to be the villain in the upcoming New Gods movie that is now cancelled. Why do you think DC is cancelling all these movies? Because I'm, I'm counting these now. There's like four because movies. They're, because they're stupid. I'm not going to lie. DC don't know what they're doing. They don't well, know how to do, what to do with their franchises that they have. They're like trying to get rid of Snyder. And it's just like, what? Saying it's not canon to Justice League Snyder Cut either, even though it's a better movie. And now they're yeah. saying, oh, only three characters from the movies will use it as canon, with the rest of them using the original Justice League as canon. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, allegedly, Warner's brothers did not want to use Darkseid again, and that was one of several factors that caused the New Gods movie to be cancelled. Uh, it's likely we featured other four, uh, fourth-world DC characters created by Jack Kirby, which include Mr. Miracle, Big Barda, and Orion. These calls into question what exactly Warner Brothers is doing with their DC film strategy. Why can't there be multiple Batmans? Because they obviously don't seem to want it. Why can't there be two, three Batmans? You've got Ben Affleck, Robert Patterson. Why do you think they're saying no? Why? Wh- what sense can you make from DC strategy? Because it doesn't make sense to me. It's I think they have not been vaccinated. They need to get vaccinated. That's probably the problem. Well, I'm going to quote Shinobi on this. COVID causes (laughs) insanity. They're mad. They're insane. But this also because they had the movie The Trench, which was supposed to be the next Aquaman spin-off film, starring Jason Momoa, obviously. According to THR, The Trench was cancelled because it didn't have enough connective tissue to Aquaman or the greater DCEU. I don't understand that whatsoever, to be honest. Okay, Uh, I have a serious problem with this because I actually read The Trench. And this is like, I, I follow the comics and I don't know what, now I seriously believe they're insane because the trench was nothing but Aquaman. Yes, he had other other people play a role in that also, but it's, it is Aquaman. It, it, it's a part of his world. I don't know what the heck they're going on about here. 
This makes yeah. absolutely no sense. I, th- I think they're, try- they're also stopping the next Batman film because they don't want to have multiple Batmans. Like, they've got Ben Affleck, which was in Justice League, and then they're doing the Robert Pattinson version, which will tie into the Joker movie from last... Was it last year or the year before? They don't want to do that now, so they've cancelled films. I, I think really, really annoy me. Yeah, I, I think there's a serious issue here with Warner Brothers. I think they need to get their act together because they're, they're trying to do too many things at once and they're failing on all fronts. But they they're, doing, they they're doing it backwards. They want. Yeah. You know, they're doing it backwards as well. They're, they're making films and then they're going, okay, how do we join the dots here? And then, like you were just saying with the trench, they're like, oh, there's not enough connective tissue. Well, whose fault is that? You, yeah. ma- you, map, <laughs> it, yeah, you map it out first and look at what Marvel did. They mapped it out perfectly, this huge arc. And then presumably they're just starting a new one with this multiverse thing. But they had this huge arc, had it all mapped out. So the connective tissue was there before they'd even made the films. DC are trying to do it the other way around. Doesn't work. Yeah. They were the the thing with Marvel is they started with individual stories first and then connected it up down the line to make a bigger story so that they could go through one, two, three, four phases before they got to the finale. Everybody had a story, everybody understood what each character's motivations were, what you know, where the movie was going. They obviously didn't include everything. They're not gonna give everything away, but they people understood the story moving forward thing with Warner Brothers did with DC, they put all the characters together straight away. I mean, the, what was before that? There was one Superman movie, wasn't there? See, see the, thing, the thing with Marvel is also, it was produced by true comic fanboys. They respected yeah. the source. Warner Brothers and, okay, DC, perhaps, I mean, you have the comic division, but anything that is not the comic division, I, I don't believe they're run by fanboys because they're just probably... Yeah, it's run, co- it's run co- by executives. Exactly, corporates. Exactly. They have no idea what the heck they want. And this is what you see, just a mishmash. That makes no sense. I I don't understand their their motivation or what they're thinking. I I don't understand also why they brought in Josh Whedon, who's obviously a director of Marvel films, and they tried to make DC Universe like Marvel. Do you think it could be possibly the fact that the Josh Whedon version of Justice League failed is because they're trying to make it like marvel marvel sort of you know jokey it's very there's a lot of jokes there's a lot of puns, the color palettes like easter eggs and winks and dc is supposed to be deadly serious which is why i think Zack snyder's version was 10 times better because it's stuck to the source material totally well, spot on you know you know what just whedon does joss whedon does very well going back to you know buffy days and on all that yeah. is he does character development very well and he does he does stories that are all about the characters and that cut of the you know the original cut of justice league just didn't have that and that's yeah. probably just partly because the, the the stuff wasn't there for him to work with because they'd done no backstory they hadn't built it up enough like you said they'd done like you know very few films prior to that whereas i think if he's given a bit more to work with he can kind of humanize the characters more and have have something more interesting going and I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that was a factor. Yeah. I mean, I think that personally, and, that and the excess and the execs also said they want the movie to be less than two hours long. Yeah. That's the other aspect. I, I think personally, they should have stuck with Zack Snyder's version beforehand. I don't yeah. think they should have tried changing the director at the last minute. To, kind to, of be, to be fair, yeah. to be fair, I want to go back to the whole Spider-Man point. The reason why Zack Snyder's version worked so well is because keep in mind, even though the Avengers movies worked well, you didn't have. Six, seven Avengers. You have like he does more DC heroes in Zack Snyder's film, and there's more going on. If that makes sense, not even just in Jack Snyder in Justice League to begin with. Zack, Zack. Ah, 
Sorry, it's not Jack. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole Justice League film, the whole plot of it in the first place was, would have, should have been a three, four hour film. Like, I feel like with the Marvel films, they kind of have like a part one, part two kind of thing, especially what they did with Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah. There's a new Spider-Man film. Remember what happened to Spider-Man 3 when they had it two hours, but they had too many villains in? Like, yeah, not like people... three, four, wasn't Yeah, I, mean. I actually liked the Spider-Man 3, but they had a lot of different storylines going on in that one film. They're trying to do the same, if rumours are right, with this next Spider-Man film. So is that film going to be three, four hours long? Will people watch it if it's three, four I, hours I long? don't think I could sit through four hours of Spider-Man. But it's going to be, be three Spider-Men. <laughs> yeah, well, three Spider-Men. I mean, if they cut it up, maybe three hours... A push, three hours. but I'd give it four three hours. hours. Four hours for me is too long to sit through a film. Oh, Jack Snyder! I'd, I'd, I'd get bored and want to do something else by that. I was like, come on, we can we get to the next bit so I can, we can move on? Because I'd, I'd get bored. But, uh, but we're going to move on that? to the next story because I think we've gone on about DC and Marvel a bit too much. GameStop are shaking up their company execs and putting a Reddit beloved Chewy exec in charge. The two thirds of the GameStop board is about to be Chewy veterans. What the hell is a Chewy? He's in Star Wars, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, but they say they are, I think this is a company because they're saying like Chewy CEO. I don't know what Chewy is. I've never heard of Chewy. If someone could enlighten me, that'd be great. But GameStop's board of directors is once again preparing for another upheaval with Ryan Cohen heading up a leadership takeover of Chewy veterans. In an announcement today, GameStop revealed the candidates for his board of directors to be decided on annual meeting on June 9th. These it's are like a military. Yeah, uh, they're parading everybody out. Pick one. These are Alan Attal, former Chewy COO and CMO. Larry Cheng uh, is a co-founder of tech Focus investment group Volition Capital, which was the first investor in Chewy. So I'm guessing Chewy is a company then. Uh, Jim Grube, former Chewy CFO. George Sherman, current GameStop CEO. And Yang Su, Senior VP of Global Finance and Treasury at Kraft Heinz. And Cohen will stand for election as chairman. With this GameStop's board, will be two times run by people with Chewy connections. That's an awful name for a company. I'm sorry. <laughs> with Cohen at the head, he continues to play a major role in a push to transform GameStop into an e-commerce giant. So it looks like they're going digital with the GameStop shops. Thanks to Obviously. Chewy. Yeah, it's very Chewy. It's Chewy well, that, uh, that Chewy, I don't, I don't know what co- what the company sells, but obviously I do spend a lot of time on Reddit and there's there's been all the whole GameStop shares push and everything. But I think those Chewy guys, they they sold for like crazy money. So they obviously know what they're doing. Well, that's, that's a good thing, I think, for GameStop then, if they've got... I mean, who, there was a, an exec left, I think, last beginning of this year moved on but it's nice to see that the GameStop are actually making some long-term decisions instead of trying to act reactionary but additionally today Curtis Wolf announced his resignation uh, from GameStop board of directors and that starts immediately Wolf was instrumental in kicking off GameStop's transformation before Cohen appeared on the scene taking a place in the board last year after a multi-year shareholder dispute that shook up the board of directors multiple times and began to push for change at the company. Notably, a number of other current board members are missing. These include Kathy Vrabrek and directors Carrie Tefner, Raul Fernandez, Elizabeth Dunn and James Semetkic. I can't pronounce his name, sorry. Indicated earlier this year they will not run for re-election. So it looks like GameStop is moving forward. What do you think of GameStop now? Do you think they're... They might be turning a corner, possibly. I think they're going to rebrand after this. They'll probably rebrand. Rebranding to change the name. Yeah, yeah. I see that happening. I mean, yeah, that that that's my prediction. Do you think this might be warranted now? Then do you think this is could be them changing a the corner and actually making different business? I mean, I think they're trying. I, I think that I, I think they're trying. And I mean, since since we started podcasting, this has been a recurring topic, right? And yes. we've had nothing good to 
we've had nothing good to say about them and it seems they're trying to bring about some change let's see but and one way to bring about change or at least show your show the public that something's happening something's different is by changing your image so they'll probably rebrand i mean if this is the shake up that's happening there they've got to rebrand I, i totally see that happening i could be wrong but i i wouldn't be surprised if they rebranded because now it gamestop just leaves a bad taste in your mouth i mean yes yeah. i mean thankfully you know. we don't have this issue here with any retailers but yeah it's nice to see them that, that are they are looking to make positive changes and hopefully their practices aren't going to remain the same but one thing GameStop Art is known for is upselling and doing things which could be considered illegal so there is one country uh, that's going to be banning shady business practices and that's Brazil uh, they're looking to ban loot boxes uh, the company selling loot boxes so EA, Rockstar etc uh, could be fined a daily fine of up to wait for it $700,000 uh, Brazilian authorities have launched an inquiry into banning loot boxes thanks to recommendation from the National Association of Child and Adolescent Defence Centres, or ANSED. Uh, the association argued that the randomised monetization mechanics are a form of gambling, which is illegal in Brazil. This is huge news. This is obviously targeting companies like Activision, EA, Konami, Nintendo, Riot Games, Ubisoft, Tencent and Valve. And mobile games publisher Garana is also involved. Brazilian publication The Enemy reporting that the firm has been asked to suspend loot box sales until further notice. And should a ban be approved, Brazil is considering introducing fines for companies selling loot boxes in Brazil for up to $4 million in Brazilian money or $706,000 US. Do you reckon? Huge amount of money. Do you reckon if it becomes criminalized in Brazil, would they have to change their game in Brazil or would they have to? not have loot boxes I, in the I first think place they'll, they'll do it regionally so they'll look to keep it games for countries where they can sell it with loot boxes we'll see how well the uk campaign goes because i don't know where that if that's even made any movement yet although there is news on that in just a sec but i think possibly they may look to because it's was it south america they may for regional uh cut that aspect out and then try to sell it in countries where it's still legal because obviously their, their biggest marketplaces are US, you know, the US, China and the UK so. Well keep in mind most people in Brazil have just bought a PS2 or even PS3 at this point so yeah. I don't really think loot boxes is really going to be a common thing there anyway. Well it's, it's also mobile I think the, the, the main gaming platform that people play on in Brazil is mobile phone and obviously there are a number of games from these companies that they can access through their phones which is where they're getting with loot boxes as well so hopefully hopefully this will mean that uh, loot boxes will start getting banned this year but germany recently passed a proposed reform which result in a new standards being applied to games featuring loot boxes and the uk a new report was published last week which we'll get into in just a sec consolidating reports and results from a dozen studies saying that loot boxes are structurally and psychologically akin to gambling which is very big news for pretty much every developer at this point but this is coming from The Guardian. Uh, so the video game loot boxes linked to problem gambling, which has been scientifically proven. Analysis survives calls for in-game rewards to be classed as betting products to protect children. So if you are a FIFA player, I mean, ha- do you guys play any games that include loot box mechanics in any of them? I've got I've got a few. I play FIFA. Call of Duty. That. Call of Duty, yeah. So any loot boxes on Call of Duty will be stopped. What about you two? Not that I can think of, but I do play some mobile games like board games and stuff, but I don't know if any... I'm sure some of them might have them. Possibly. I mean, what, what about you, Tony? Do you play any games with loot box mechanics? Not really, not at all. But I'm kind of linking this to... So, like, I can see where the results of this study come from because 
on the side, like, I mean, not on the side, one of my other hobbies is I, I collect die-cast model cars, right? One is a 64 yeah. scales. And, and uh, you have, like, you have a whole slew of companies that they'll release a box of, say, nine defenders, right? And one of them will be a special edition, like a rare color, right? And this is, these are physical loot boxes, so to say. So it's like, it's like a lucky box. And it's like a lottery ticket. So I've seen guys who will actually buy an entire crate of, like, nine nine of those models just to get that one that one special rare color because it's so limited uh, limited edition so i can see how this can be linked to addiction and uh, it it fires dopamines in your brain cells or wherever yeah. uh, the moment the moment you get your hands on it and that also applies to gaming like even that also applies to the virtual world where you where you get the i don't know the the pokemon card that you want or the loot box that you want in diablo or the weapon or what have you so i can see where they're coming from but that's about all i can say because yeah. i need to read I mean, up this, some more I'll about be, this the country that originally banned in the eu was belgium but loot boxes and video game features used by nearly 40% of children have clear links to problem gambling, according to a study that's not, of course, be regulated. Uh, researchers analysed 13 studies into the behaviours of gamers who, who spend on loot boxes, which is guys like the big whales, or developers call them the whales, the guys that will spend 20,000, 30,000 on loot boxes. That mechanic is still there for kids. Um, like you said, Tony, with, with your collectible figures, yeah. same sort of premise. So yeah. they analysed the studies and they determined that any game that allows players to spend money on randomised in-game rewards that can aid players' progress or enhance the appearance of characters without knowing what they will get uh, is structurally and psychologically akin to gambling. All but one of the studies showed that clear correlation because the use of loot boxes and problem gambling behaviour under the commonly used problem gambling severity index measure, which is something PGF. else. Something else just hit me while while you were talking about this. I mean, if you look at an actual casino, like a physical casino, not not a virtual casino. I mean, yeah. they say the house always wins. I mean, if you spend an entire, if you have enough dough on you to to spend the whole day in the casino, odds are you might not walk out on top. That's basically yeah. how the casino, the games are are designed, right? So if you look at the virtual world, if you look at games with loot, with virtual loot boxes in them, I mean, I haven't researched into this, but it's very, uh, I don't know how well you can program randomization, right? You, you so, can, it's, I think, in, for example, I've used to manage a casino and I've worked okay. in betting shops and I've seen okay. guys lose 30, 40,000 pounds within an hour. There you go, there you go. So I, so I know that the house is stacked, like the randomization on these sort of things is like one in 300 million chance you're going to win anything. Exactly. Uh, but approximately 5% of loot box users have generated 700 million pounds last year alone. That video oh, wow. game companies make from them each year. About a third of that group are problem gamblers, and a lot of them are children under the age of 16. And Conservative MP Richard Holden said there will be a loophole. There is a loophole in the law, and they were aware of it. Uh, they are regulated in the same way as football stickers when he was a kid, and it's clear that his problems have been moved on so much faster than the law governing them. Real regulatory action is needed as soon as possible. And Gamble Aware has also made a statement who commissioned the report. We are increasingly concerned that gambling is now part of everyday life for children and young people. Gamble Aware funded this research to highlight concerns around loot boxes and problem gambling. 
is now for politicians to review this research. And hopefully that's going to change the law because obviously Belgium has also done it. Brazil's now looking to move forward. We could actually see the banning of loot boxes worldwide if this continues in the current span that it's in. Well, if they're not banned, they're most likely going to make them an 18 plus rated game. Even if it's a game like Crash Bandicoot, they'll make it 18 if it's got loot boxes. Yeah, I think that may trigger a change in the industry, though, because if they're going to be limited to who they can sell to, even for games like Crash Bandicoot, if they've got loot boxes, the, the likelihood is they'll just go, we'll get rid of the loot boxes. Imagine too. that. Sonic the Hedgehog, oh, it's an 18 plus now because of loot boxes. Might as well add guns. <laughs> Does this oh, mean that we'll have, that more mobile games will have even lesser microtransactions? Yes, that means a total ban of loot boxes or loot, loot box mechanics or is a... Uh, one EA exec called surprise mechanics, which was a very scummy thing to say. So basically, anything randomized, there you go, we won't have that anymore. But stuff that we know that we can get, there's going to be, this is the thing. Let's say, for example, yes, so some Steam games like CSGO. So how is that going to affect CSGO? Because people make a lot of money off that by selling like skins that are worth like 300, 400 quid that they got out of oh, a random box. Some people have made millions off that. Exactly. It's an auction. It's an auction site, so you have to be 18 to play it anyway. Oh, no, 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 no. You can sell what you get from your randomised box that you've paid for, and that's how some of these people get these items. Yeah, but I, th- I think this law is mainly targeting games that kids can get access to, like FIFA. But games like CSGO and GTA and... CSGO oh, is G- not an 18+. plus. Is it? I swear it's an 18 plus game because it's obviously Counter Strike is a battle oh, royale. It, it is 18. Yeah, I knew it was. How was it 18? Since when has it been 18 plus? I think for a while because of the fact of gratuitous violence and death. They class it as an 18. There's more violence in Call of Duty World of War, and that game was a 15. Well, you'd have to speak to the developers, mate. I don't know personally. I mean, it amazes me that they need studies to know this. That. It's obviously very, very similar to gambling and coming from someone who's had issues with being, you know, addiction and having an addictive personality. I mean, you you don't need a study to tell you that it's immoral. It's outright immoral to have kids using these loot boxes. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's obvious that it is. And I don't understand why they were, why they even argue against it. And EA and Activision actually went to court and tried to argue the fact that it wasn't gambling. Oh, of course, because they want for money. For they greed. That's yes. all they care about is money. They're greedy yeah. corporations. Do you remember the days when when developers were like, we're, we're in it for the entertainment, the enjoyment? EA Sports. It's in the game. I I remember them saying when they brought out, I think it was, I think it was, it was years ago, I think it was like FIFA 11 or something. And they were, they were into the game. They cared about the game and they weren't thinking about making money. Obviously, they wanted to make money for the development, but they were in it for, you know, creating a game that people enjoyed. And they well, I can have... categorically tell you that that is utter rubbish if EA was saying that in 2011. Because EA have been up to some stuff, man, well before that, I tell you. What, so, what, was, what, sort of thing were you, what sort of thing have they like, done in the past? Dirty tricks, mate. So, like, for example, there is not one single EA game on the Dreamcast. I don't know if you ever noticed that. No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I know the, story the, the reason is, is when, yeah, when, yeah. if you look at Mega Drive carts, remember the old EA Mega Drive carts and they had their own carts yep. with a little yellow bit? That's because EA didn't want to pay Sega the like couple of dollars for each cart. So they're like, now we're just going to make our own. And Sega were like, no, no. And EA basically just, you know, held them over a barrel that like, you're not going to get any of our games. 
so we're going to wow. do it and then it came to the dreamcast and uh ea were cheeky enough to say to sega right well yeah we're going to re- release a load of dreamcast games but we're the only company that's allowed to make any sports games for the dreamcast right imagine saying that <laughs> Right. Yeah. Imagine imagine going to Sony now and go, oh, PS5 sounds good. We're the only company allowed to make sports games. You just get laughed at. Right. So. So. So Sega obviously. That depends because FIFA is quite big now. Yeah, but it's not big enough to like own all sports. Like we're not talking we're not talking about just football. We're talking about all sports. Right. So Sega were like, nah, mate, that's that's not happening, obviously. And also Sega had signed a deal with 2k to do you know like the 2k nfl and all that so ea threw a hissy fit and they're like fine we're not releasing any dreamcast games and they and they never did they never released even one game of any genre and so the nfl 2k games started kicking off and they started like really competing against madden because madden was obviously ea's big thing and ea were like oh my god the 2k nfl is doing really well so they just went to nfl and said right we want to buy the rights to be the only company allowed to make nfl games and they did and then 2k nfl had to stop because they couldn't make the games proper dirty okay yeah yeah they are doing a lot and this is one of the reasons i did not know any of that thank you for the history lesson jeez (laughs) <laughs> yeah they, they, i mean that's that's the tip of the iceberg they've been they've been up to stuff for a long time but uh, i think we should do a, an episode another day of uh things that EA has done <laughs> okay. just so i compile all the all the shoddy tactics but we're gonna be taking a break there's gonna be some music now from em- emily calica uh fragments we're also gonna be having an interview in just a little bit with the man himself on a retro tip we'll be back in just a bit thank you for listening to cic gamer podcast
Where the ice you gave a podcast and Callum has Callum's interrupting me. He really wants that host duties, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> he really, really wants to be the host. Uh, hey, welcome back. Uh, that was Emmy Calico with Fragments. Uh, if you like that song, I'm going to leave the link to the YouTube uh, video. You can go watch the video. Uh, thank you very much to her and to her record label, Big Condo. Uh, so we're going to jump in the next story. And I think this is going to be a return of everybody's favourite segment, Roll the Tune. And everybody knows it, everyone but you. You're a dickhead. I hope you'll soon be dead. And it is this time, once again, Scalpers. God. Uh, so, Super Mario 3D All-Stars is now also being scalped, uh, thanks to it being taken off the eShop. Like, it's going up to, like, $300 in some cases. and There is actually more than that. Uh, somebody mm. seen and listed it one price, uh, which is found on eBay, for $10,000 for a physical copy of Super Mario 3D All-Stars. That is insane, 10000 Subreddit user Tommy Fricks the seven eight nine. Has he actually sold it? Did did they actually sell yes, it? They right? actually sold it ten thousand dollars for a physical copy. Three D All Stars for one game, but three D All Stars, yeah, ten thousand dollars because but you can you can still buy it over here, right? No, it's been no, taken no. off the eShop uh, and it's been replaced by Pac Man ninety nine, which is on which is out right now. Um, they've taken that three uh, D All Stars off the eShop. Uh, which was supposed to be Mario 35, Day of Death. And uh, this is now what's happened. Um, I'm looking at the, some of these prices right now. There's actually a listing for 3D All-Stars on Nintendo Switch sealed for 5000 And there's another couple for 2500 for All-Stars on the Switch that somebody's actually trying you know, to sell. You know, if you go over to Game right now, game.co.uk, you can buy brand new copies for 50 quid. That yeah, should have please, been the bargain of the week. Please spend 10000 on, on a copy, please. It's, it's ridiculous. You, you can buy it loads of places for, for less than 50 quid. It's, it's, on, sale. it's on sale all over the shop. No, no, but like, let's say, you know, like, this is the thing. I'm checking Amazon now, right? Let's have a look at Amazon now. It's my videos. I was like, yes, they're not producing any more copies. At least that's what they're saying. And um, I, I think they're still producing copies. I reckon there will always be copies in store. Always. But um, some of my video stars for the Switch and Amazon is £56.48. <laughs> Brand new. Uh, it's still overpriced. It's still, still quite overpriced. Yeah, it's better than ten it's better than ten thousand. So <laughs> if you're an idiot who buys even even the minimum of some of these games like sixty two thousand five hundred, right, for the game, guess how much they're asking for shipping. How much are they asking for shipping? Like $50,000? for shipping? A game? Yes. That costs like one pound to ship. Exactly. That's, I mean, this has got to be a breach of eBay's, <laughs> eBay's <laughs> rules. $60 to ship one game. And that's, that's inside US as well. That's no, that's wrong. US. That is cheeky. That that's national wrong. tracking. That is mad. That's absolutely mad. Uh, one of them selling at fifteen dollars. I don't understand why. I mean, this is take, literally taking the mick. Uh, but fortunately, there doesn't appear to be any bids on the higher price uh, copies uh, for quite a lot of them. And there are some more farable, re- far more reasonable listings. Apologies around the suggested RRP. Uh, still, it's not great look for game when the stock begins to run dry. Uh, I think Nintendo is at fault here. 
Um, but I'm going to say are. this. Yeah, I'm going to say this. You scalpers are dickheads, mate. <laughs> right, I'm just nod. looking at sword listings on eBay right now. Yeah. Right? They're all yeah. under retail. It's probably more so US. Yeah, Thankfully, I don't US. think we're getting this issue here. But scalpers are still doing this. I'm looking at the article now. One is listed at 5,000 to buy it right now or bid for 2,500 to ship in the US, which is mad. That's an insane amount of money. Uh, while a digital copy would normally be an option, uh, unfortunately, Nintendo has obviously decided to pull this version. So if you haven't already secured a copy uh, of all three in one Mario game collection, you better do it now. Uh, before you run out of a chance. Uh, Nobly, also the same thing, limited release of the Samuel Amiibo cards last week. And I'm not surprised that, that scalpers are actually doing this. But at the same time, they're dickheads. Speaking of Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo Switch data mine could point to 4K version dock and a Bluetooth audio headset, uh, which could be coming next year. Uh, data mining of Nintendo Switch update could suggest that the console... We'll get a new dock for a 4K version of the console, and it may also see an update which allows for Bluetooth audio. Uh, this came from data miner Oatmeal Dome, as pointed out, Switch's 12.0 update contains references to potentially unannounced features, while Nintendo's patch notes only say that save data backup bug has been fixed. Fans looking through the updates have marked another changes. Is this going to be a... Uh... What do you think of this, Tony, considering you want to get the Switch Pro? <laughs> Uh, well, we kind of expected this, right? I mean, we 4K was a definite. And if you remember, there was this article talking about how they had stopped production of the actual, the current uh, docking stations, the docking units. Yes. So yep. this ties in with that. So I guess this is just Nintendo being Nintendo. They do things in phases, and when the time is right, boom, they just make an announcement of what the package looks like, what comes in the package, and so mm. on and so forth, you know? Yeah, I mean, this could be a, a chance for uh, wireless headphones with the next Switch Pro, which would be very, very cool. Uh, very welcome. They've got very welcome. resolution, yes. they've got the new graphics cards, the uh, much larger QED screen. So this uh, Switch, the next Switch console could be the biggest uh, Nintendo Switch release, or the biggest Nintendo console release going. Um, but we're going to move on to the next story. Obviously, I was just shot one PlayStation. I uh, said that they don't need E3 to have a great 2021. Uh, and they will not be appearing at this year's E3 in June, which we will be watching. We will be covering that. Uh, but on this week's episode, um, from this is from IGN, uh, they looked at the cars jumped into MLB's availability, and they've said that PS3 will not be coming to, to E3 this year, uh, and they will not be carrying any games over or announcing anything. Uh, they Nintendo, uh, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers, and Coach Media are confirmed to E3. But there will be no PS5 or Sony announcements for that, uh, for the first digital one E3. Uh, this will take place June 12th to 15th this year. Uh, will include a number of companies who will be making appearances. Obviously, Sony, conspicuous by their absence. Uh, why do you think, guys, that uh, Sony will not be appearing? What do you think their motivation is for not appearing this year? This E3? is the thing. This is the thing. They were going to try and charge us to watch E3 online, weren't they, digitally? Yes. So, yeah, and the fact is that Sony's. Imagine if they still charged us if Sony dropped out. I don't think that would stand. I think people would be like, nah. <laughs> They'll have a very low viewer rate if that was the case. If they still were. If well, they they're going to have a low viewer rate anyways. Yeah. I mean, E3 is mainly attended and watched by press. Uh, so, you know, it's it's still a very, very big event. It's not as popular as it once was, especially with 
new uh, gaming expos popping up all the time. Um, but there are the major missing companies, obviously EA, who will not be doing it, uh, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Tencent, 505 and Activision Blizzard will also not be attending. So Sony's not the only one that's not going, but Sony is, you know, the biggest, considering Nintendo and Xbox will be there, Sony not being there is kind of obvious and it's kind of conspicuous in the fact that they're not going to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. ESA makes clear that the list of partners marks early commitments so other publisher developers could still come on board uh, before the date of June. Uh, however, the show pandemic-related cancellation, Sony had confirmed it had no plans to attend E3 last year. Virtually, that was cancelled. Uh, and they will not also be attending this year. Uh, after announcing the show return as digital-only event, E3 promised uh, live press conferences and a four-day-long video stream and says the show will be reimagined on hyper-engaged digital experience. Uh, concrete details about the show remain thin on the ground, but East ESA president Stanley Pierre-Louis uh, under a press, under, used a press release to say, we're involved in this year's E3 into a more inclusive event and we'll still look to ins- excite the fans with major reveals and inside opportunities to make this event the indispensable centre stage for video games. I think this is still going to be a pretty big event. Um, do you think this is going to damage E3 at all by not having Sony in attendance, guys? I think it'll impact how E3 is perceived, yes. But I have a feeling Sony is going the way of Nintendo because like, Nintendo does their own directs whenever they want to. Uh, yeah. Perhaps Sony is thinking that and or uh, option B or rather uh, theory B, uh, if you noticed uh, in March, uh, early in March, there was an earthquake in Japan. And as a result of as as a result of that, uh, things uh, such as the finale of Attack on Titan, like the series finale, the airing of that episode was delayed. And uh, I'm just thinking perhaps this earthquake may have halted progress uh, on their usual day-to-day BAU development work, or I don't know, or preparing for E3. I'm just putting stuff, like I said, this is just theory B. Uh, This could be a reason, perhaps, I mean, I'm pretty sure at some point this year, before the second half ends, we should see a showcase from Sony. That's what I'm expecting. It doesn't have to be an E3, but they'll have a showcase. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting so as well. Um, yeah. I'm I'm personally I want to see three because there's a lot of you know companies like Warner Brothers and what's it Take Two are going to be there now. I know there's a lot of rumors on tw- on Twitter etc from GTA fanboys, and I'm sorry to tell you guys if you are expecting Take Two to announce GTA Six, that isn't going to happen. Uh, the E3 announcement, as far as we know, and as far as Anybody knows it's going to be about the next-gen upgrade that's coming to PS5 and Xbox Series X for GTA Online. It's not a GTA 6. Sorry. It's, a, it's, an, up, it's an update for GTA Online. Um, it will not be a new game announcement. But no. we're going to move on to the next story. Uh, so Valkyrie, who's a very prominent female Twitch streamer, um, becomes a co-owner of 100, themes, 100 Thieves Esports alongside Courage. 100 uh, so, Esports. Yes, so streamer Rachel Valkyrie Hostetter, uh, who's one of my personal favourites, don't tell my wife, has become a co-owner <laughs> of the Esports Gaming Organisation uh, alongside I'll new co-owner Jack Courage Dunlop. Uh, they announced on Wednesday. Uh, Hostetter stated in the video, looking back, I feel like it's been a long journey. And for now, just not just being a co-owner, but a female co-owner. She is the first 
esports female co owner of an esports league. Uh, it just feels like everything we just played out so unbelievably well, and she feels very lucky and fortunate to be in this position, uh, which is very big news considering she's the first one out of uh, first female co owner of an esports league, that is, especially for one awesome. as big as a hundred thieves. Well, if she's one of the first uh, female owners. You know, that's that's a step into the right direction, I reckon, as well, kind of thing. Um, she's actually kind of empowering, in a sense. Yes. So, I mean, it, women, female uh, Twitch streamers are still behind the men, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but they are catching up, and with Valkyrie now taking over an esports league, you could well see more female uh, who, Twitch Who's a female up. streamer that has an OnlyFans? Belle oh, Daffy. I I knew. Belle <laughs> Daffy. <laughs> Uh, is she a Twitch streamer? Oh, I think she's more OnlyFans now, isn't she? She's more... Yeah, because she, YouTube she kicked off her off the platform. Aye, she, but she was a streamer at first, and then she started selling uh, bath oh, water that she yeah. bathed in to everyone. Honestly, that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, that there were people on YouTube <laughs> smoking it. Smoking it? it. Was they were smoking, smoking her bath water. water. <laughs> That's actually rank. That is... Oh, Pete, Pete. Pete, would you go and buy Belle Daphne's water or what? Like, please tell me you wouldn't. I've been listening to you guys for the last two minutes, and I'm like, am I too old to understand any of this? <laughs> it depends how you are, because I'm 34, and how old are you now, Tony? Nearly, what, 40, 45? I'm young. <laughs> 38. 38, well, you're nearly 40, so it depends how old you are. <laughs> uh, 28, I'm, nearly 40, yeah. I'm, I'm 40, and, um, yeah, I don't really understand... Um, all that stuff. Uh, do you, do you know Pete, who thanks for joining the podcast, man. Thanks for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'll, I'll take, I'm taking one for you here, Tony. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't know any of the people. I, I think I know what an, I guess I could guess what an esports brand is. It's just like people playing games in, in competitively. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I've never heard, of, I've never heard of hundred thieves or, or this, uh, was it Valkyrie or something? Yes. Yeah, uh, I never heard. Uh, she, she, I, th I think we should uh, give him an education on uh, on Valkyrie. But do you know who Belle Delphine is? No. And do, <laughs> you if, it, um, if this answers the question, I've never been on Twitch. Okay. Uh, I'm. I, I don't want to show in the video. <laughs> there is quite a few. But right. I, I'll send it to you now, Pete. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't don't send the uh, the more adult version of the one she did recently. Well, I've, no, I don't worry. I've just sent them the OnlyFans. Just link, yeah. You can choose to pay the thirty-five pound and what, <laughs> or not. There is a few bits don't on. Don't have on your Twitter wife behind YouTube. you when you're on it. Don't have your wife behind you. You will literally yeah. get divorced straight away. <laughs> <laughs> it it would right. take a lot. Yeah, don't. don't started watch that. off as a, so basically, Beldefine started off as a streamer, right? She wasn't a true gamer quote-unquote. Uh, she only did it to get attention off the guys, and that's how she got all her views. And then and then she started selling bath water that she had bathed in to guys who are smoking it, uh, drinking it, doing all sorts with it. And then uh, One guy actually reused it to wash his face with, which was oh. really That was really rank. I actually saw, I was looking at some of the videos and now of uh, people star. that had actually, what they'd done with that bath water was revolting. And now she's mm -hmm. a porn star. It, it's so, just a yeah. whole well, new... She, she does amateur. I wouldn't call her a porn star. She's done one. Um, but 
<laughs> yeah, so you're a connoisseur. She, I think I think the uh, the big popularity, the big popular thing about her is that she does like a, a Japanese anime face with like a tongue out and her eyes roll back, and that it's just it's weird. Oh, me mate, me mate does that all the time. Oh, that please don't ever. Fat, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to mention that because that's kind of creepy for a dude to be doing. Oh uh, no, was it like basically she's done about how it's really popular now? I don't, I don't, don't know. And if it's a dude, then yeah. Yeah, but it's thirty-five dollars a month, Pete. If you're interested in that sort of stuff, well, I, I think uh, anyone who's paying that money, or even you know, paying anything, it's just a whole new status below Virgin, isn't it? Go <laughs> to Pornhub and get free porn. It's probably better than Beldaphine's bathwater porn. <laughs> bathwater porn. That's a new one. Uh, oh, I might have just started a new category here, lads. Yeah, bathwater porn. There's going to be a listing on Pornhub coming in. <laughs> uh, speaking of Valkyrie, uh, she's also has appeared on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show, uh, which was a couple of days ago now, um, with other popular streamers. Uh, she was crowned the most viewed female streamer on Twitch uh, last year, according to Talkie Sports. And 100 Themes was founded in 2017 uh, by former Optic Gaming Call of Duty captain and X Games gold medalist. Uh, after they, the uh, original founder retired, he founded 100 Thieves business, which employs several professional esports teams across various games. Uh, teams under the 100 Thieves banner uh, quickly went on to win multiple esports championships in games like Call of Duty, Fortnite and League of Legends. Uh, the brand now boasts sponsorships and partnerships with the likes of Drake, Cash App, Red Bull and others. So she now owns that brand, which is very big business. Congratulations to her and to her partner as well. Well done. Uh, so we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back in just a sec uh, with some more final bit of the news. And we're going to be interviewing the man himself on a retro tip. Uh, thank you for joining us. Make sure you tune back in. Thank you. You're listening to the ICU Gamer official podcast on icugamer.com. Uh, welcome back, ICU Gamer Podcast, your host, The Major. Uh, we're still here with On A Retro Tip. Thank you for joining us this week, bud. Very welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, so EA Patents, uh, new tech will keep you playing for longer. Uh, this is coming from IGN again. Right, so EA has issued a patent, uh, has filed a patent for adaptive difficulty system outlines, uh, ways to keep you playing longer. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I do not have the inkling to play EA for too long anyway. I don't know how they're going to force me to play for longer. Uh, but they've recently filed for a continuation of a patent involving adaptive systems that attempt to adjust a game's difficulty to your skill level. Uh, this adaptive system is designed primarily to keep users playing the game for as long as possible. Uh, what are your guys' feelings on this, on them uh, doing this? Well, if it isn't EA up to their old tricks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forcing you to play a game you yeah. don't want to play for more for yeah. longer than you wanted to play. I, I, I can't you, wait yeah. for EA, EA's next patent. EA patents new tech that will force your children down a coal mine. <laughs> <laughs> down a chimney just like the Victorian times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> EA right, uh, encourages child slave labour. so (laughs) that is a one thing i don't think ea uh are redeeming themselves too much uh considering we're talking about ea for a bit now 
Uh, this pattern seems like it's, it's coming from 2016. This isn't a new thing, but they're redoing the pattern to keep players basically playing for longer. So the longer you play, uh, the game gets more difficult to make you play that game for longer. Uh, do you think this also could be the way, them working their way around loot boxes? Oh, it must be. It must be. You have to pay to play less. Yeah, I think, yeah, you got to, to lower the difficulty, you've got to pay 50 quid or something stupid. So presumably they mean longer overall, not 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 per session. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no, it's it's the amount of time you're on, the game gets more difficult. Yeah. So if you get stuck on a level, a number of gamers, most gamers will try and beat that level before they come off. Uh, if you're like me, though, I get really frustrated and just throw the, con- throw the controller and like, I'm not doing this anymore. So will but, the game get easier if you get stuck? No. Yeah, you, 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 you're fucked. Pardon my French, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah for example, <laughs> That's the game's plan, is to make you keep playing that game for as long as possible. Uh, I don't know whether you've played any EA games of recently, but they're really not worth playing for long periods of time. Uh, in the latest episode as well, uh, so we're going to move on quickly. IO Interactive, uh, the makers of Hitman, uh, which just released their April roadmap update, which you can find that on the website. Uh, given that Hitman's recent reboot was billed as a trilogy, uh, IO is now focusing on the upcoming James Bond. They're making a new James Bond game, which is very cool, considering Hitman is very orientated, is very much inspired by that. Uh, but they're making a new... Uh, James Bond game from IO Interactive, uh, and it's not the end. But it's not the end of the uh, Agent Forty Seven series. Uh, they've Abrac confirmed uh, the famous assassin is going to take a much deserved vacation. So we could see a couple more games come from IO before the next Hitman Four, for example, comes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, about the last game that came out was 007 Legends, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping they try and remake GoldenEye though, because I like. Well, GoldenEye. even if they, even if they have remade GoldenEye. Yeah, but I don't. I preferred the N64 version. It will be more of a remaster then. But uh, no, I I actually think that we're doing another James Bond game, and I do like those. I do like the games as long as it's not too like Call of Duty again. Who would you want to see in the role of? Do you would would you think they do like a generic James Bond, or do you think they might put an actor into it? Roger Moore. How about you guys? And I've got my favourite Sean Connery. Well, the the, th- the problem with having things like Sean Connery and Roger Moore is they can't just get the Bond license. Like each of those actors has their own licensing, so they actually have to license from the from the personal family to use that yeah. likeness. So it just ends up costing them like a bunch of money, which is why um, you know all the Bonds are actually in the Goldeneye and N64, but you can't use them because they couldn't get the you know uh, the licensing yeah. from yeah. from those actors. Have you have you guys played the re, you know the remake they did on Xbox that just got leaked? No, I haven't actually. I've played the N sixty four version. Yeah, so I this think that was this, the last James Bond that I actually played was on the N sixty four. So this is exactly that version, exactly, but it's just upscaled okay. and widescreen, and uh, obviously you use an Xbox three sixty controller. But oh, I've got it on my Ooh. JTAG JTAG three sixty. It's so good. I, I'm definitely gonna have to have a go at that then. If it, if it's is it like four is it like ten eighty p resolution? They up if they up the graphics to that much or? Well, it's hard to tell. Like there's a button if you press the right shoulder button, it switches between the old graphics and the new graphics. And if you do that once, it's just laughable the difference. So after that, you just kind of think, well, you know, God knows if it's ten eighty p, but it's like a million times higher resolution than the N sixty four. 
<laughs> Bloody hell. Oh, my, I'm definitely going to have to have a go at that then. If, it, if it's playing at that sort of graphic rate, then yeah, I'm going to have to have a go. You guys, if, you've, uh, if you're listening and you've played it, let us know your thoughts. It'll be interesting to find out if anyone else has played it as well. Um, but speaking of games getting remade, uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, uh, that's due out very, very soon. On a blog, Bioware kicked off a weekly series digging into the making of Mass Effect, uh, with the first article focusing on gameplay tuning and rebalancing. And Bioware for Mass Effect uh, Legendary Edition uh, has tweaked accuracy, aim assist and aiming down sights to let players maintain more consistent firepower and bring it in line for the original Mass Effect with 2 and 3. Abilities have also been rebalanced. Even smaller tweaks have been implemented, such as mapping melee to a button press and letting players mark inventory items as junk so they can convert it to Omnigel or Soldier Merchants. Bioware has reworked some of the game's First game's boss battles, I made it so squad mates can be controlled independently like in later games, which is very good news if you're a massive fan of Mass Effect 1. So it's going to play a lot like Mass Effect 3 finally, which was, I think, one of the original complaints with the original trilogy when they released uh, 1 and then brought out 2, that the game's controls were very, very different. And I think people wanted back then, I did anyway, uh, for them to upscale Mass Effect 1 to be controlled in the same way uh so by where how has, was how was melee done in the first game uh pressing right uh analog stick now now or back then oh no the first game it was press right analog stick and you did like a shoulder swipe with your gun uh. it wasn't very good and it was very very slow and you often ended up getting shot and the player mo- and the enemy moving away from you before you actually hit it so you'd have to tempt it two three times to actually get a hit it wasn't very good that's fair that's fair yeah, but so Bioware's reworked some of the game's boss battles, and across the trilogy, entering and exiting cover has been made more reliable, with additional cover added to some encounters. The Galaxy at War metagame has also been rebalanced and won't be affected by factors that are no longer available, such as the companion app or multiplayer. Bioware says that preparing for the climax of Mass Effect 3 will be more difficult to achieve in the Legendary Edition as a result. So if you're expecting to play all the way through like I did and beat everything and do everything, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you. Many of the plays that Bioware, though, has also calibrated Mako controls to make the vehicle less bouncy with adding faster shield, recharging and new thrusters. If a player touches lava this time around, you will not die and the game fail instantly. Rather, you take damage over time which is a lot better thankfully beyond actual gameplay the trailer will feature a wide quality of life modernizations including a unified launcher better character customization options uh, updated achievements and integrated weapons and armor dlc content so players can earn them naturally while they play so now you won't have to download dlc the trilogy's audio has also been remixed and enhanced for legendary edition the game is due out may 14th pc ps4 and xbox one and that is it for Mass Effect. I'm actually looking forward to this. Are you guys going to be picking up the Legendary Edition or are you going to be sticking with the original? Mm, <laughs> I'm actually waiting for the Switch announcement. <laughs> <laughs> I know you'd say that. A lot of people have said they want it on Switch. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's coming to Switch, personally. I think there's, I think there's a hey, nice hey, hey. It, it took a while for Witcher 3 to come, so uh, I'll keep my hopes <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, there will be eventually because I think it, Mass Effect is kind of tailor made for a handheld, but we'll see. Yeah. Last story, though, is one for you, Retro. Uh, Atari is separating a gaming division, uh, which says it will create PC console games separately. Uh, 
support VCS console, including tools to create retro games. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that uh, it looks like from the article that they're kind of trying to you know revamp a lot of their old IPs, which is something that just like I desperately wish Sega would do more, you know. But yeah, why not? I mean, it's 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 like a license to print money, really, isn't it? I don't see why yeah. they haven't done it before. Well, they're also crowdfunding for a VCS retro console from Atari, uh, which will be the first time they've made a console in about 35 years. Haven't they uh, only released the Atari VCS? Uh, they're crowdfunding it now. I swear it's been released. Well, they made the Jaguar. That was more recent than 35 years ago. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that wasn't so much of a bigger release, though, was it? I mean... Their last big console was the one with the tapes. Aye, aye. It's not... Um, wait, the one with the tapes? Um, no, 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 no. It's not actually... Well, the release date for the backers was December the 14th, 2020. So, so uh, but, but how, it's not... Has that come out for, for retail, though? No, not yet. It's not come out for retail yet. Yeah, that's that's where it's come from. Tori have licensed their uh, brand for a hotel. And they'll continue to operate and develop free-to-play mobile games... In addition, new development was shifted to console and PC. Then for some vitalizing classic Atari intellectual property for the modern era. Being that you two guys are the retro heads here, what do you think of this news? Are you just going to be? Uh, is this going to be something you'd be paying more attention to, considering it's Atari? I no. love the Jaguar. The Jaguar, the Jaguar, as they say in the states. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm miserable when it comes to this stuff because I just think it's money for old rope, you know. But from a business standpoint, I mean, it sells like look how mad people go for all this stuff, like rehashing stuff and releasing these minis and everything. And personally, it's not for me, but um, I think it's definitely a, a, a wise choice from from a financial standpoint for them. I think it is. I think they're, they're looking to recoup, you know, to get their, their foothold back in the industry. They seem to have gone quiet over the last number of years. In fact, hopefully this is going to be a turnaround for them and we'll start seeing them popping up on Maybe on shows like E3. Maybe we might see him uh, making an appearance. We might see the Atari VCSs in um, uh, car boot sales in Poundland eventually. So who knows? <laughs> I hope not, because that would be bad news for them. It's ended up in the car boot sales. It's already been bad reviews for them already. The backers copies and stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's an underpowered, overpriced console. Well, it offers no new gaming experiences either. That you've got retro pies and stuff like that, right? And exactly. you know the, the Mister and everything. Do we need this stuff? Like just because it's in an Atari VCS shaped thing, you know? Can play all those games in its developer mode for an extra twenty pound. Add that on to the fact it can play PS2 games as well through that mode, and Wii and GameCube games, possibly Wii U games. So mm. who needs that Atari VCS? <laughs> well that's speaking of that uh, we're going to jump in a short break when we come back we're going to be interviewing on a retro tip thank you very much for joining us on the IC Gamer podcast on icgamer.com I want to start my own business I want financial security and be my own boss and have a future for my children but where do I start I need a website but I don't have a clue how to build one it's just so complicated hello mummy at Pure Genius Media, you'll get a high-quality website built by industry professionals who can build the website for you with your own personal touch that makes your website stand out, no matter your budget. Whether you're a new business or you're already making sales, 
your Jeans Media can build a website for you from the ground up. So you don't have to do a thing. For more info, just go to puregeansmedia.com. Well, thanks, darling. You're welcome, Mummy. Come for sweets now. Welcome, welcome back, back to the Together Podcast. Yeah, Callum does really want to be hoax this week, don't you, Callum? <laughs> uh, of course I do. Right, who wants to do it then? All right, so we're going to be interviewing on a retro tip. Thank you very much for joining us, pal, this week. Uh, you are our second guest, and it's been an absolute honour to have you on. Thanks for having me. Thank you Pleasure. very much. Uh, so we're going to ask you a few questions first. Um, you've been a YouTuber now for about seven years, is it? I think it's just over, it's about probably just over six years. So it would have been the start of 20, whatever, six years ago is 20. 15, 15, I think start of 2015, yeah, tail end of 2014. Uh, what are your thoughts on YouTube, being a YouTuber? Um, it's great, you know. Um, it, it's just, I, I think before I really got into YouTube, I didn't really understand what it was. And then when I understood it as like this hobbyist thing, and I was interested in, you know, collecting games and old the old games and stuff. And you could just go on YouTube and type in anything and you'll find people who are interested in that and talking about that thing. And I just thought, wow, that's great. And then I kind of just wandered into, you know, the retro game stuff. Um, so it's great for that, like any hobby or interest you have. But in terms of actually like getting involved with it, it's just such a great way to make to to make friends and meet people. And I've just met so many like like-minded people and people with the same interests since doing it. It's just been like, you know, so much more than I ever imagined it would be. Is, is there any YouTubers that you've come across that you don't particularly like, or think you've given, you know, you've got a bad impression of? Um, yeah, probably probably like two out of every like you know hundreds of people I've met. I'd say like two. Um, there's always a couple in bad in the bunch yeah yeah would you know you're not going to name them no absolutely <laughs> not absolutely no. not uh, have you got any <laughs> thoughts on on people on other you gaming youtubers like markiplier pewdiepie etc what do you what do you um, think of them as as youtubers well, as I, gaming know of, YouTubers? I know of pewdiepie because i actually sometimes did watch his stuff but not his gaming stuff just like random stuff he did mm. Um, but like, I don't really know any like gamers YouTubers because I don't watch any gameplay YouTubers. Like, I never watch people playing games. Mm. Um, it's is, always... Are you more are you more about collection then and and hobbies rather than? Well, yeah, I mean that's not that's kind of not what I do even anymore. Like, it started off as just me showing stuff I'd bought, you know. Yeah. Um, or like showing the collection and stuff like that and, and, and doing video responses. So like people ask community questions and you do, you know, your response to it and everything. But because I just stopped buying so much stuff, I kind of transitioned into what I do now, which is more like at the edited sort of fact, factual stuff. I, I don't yeah. know how, how to describe it really. But um, so, so, sort of thing that your friend Larry does on a regular basis. like yeah, 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 pretty much similar style to Larry, I suppose. Um, but um, the, the stuff I watch is all like collectors and people, you know, who collect the games and stuff like that. So I don't really watch much stuff that, that's similar to what I make. I do watch a few. I watch Larry, obviously, and a few. 
Um, but I don't know, like all these big American guys, like when I started, everyone was like, oh, yeah, you know, I used to watch uh, that angry video game nerd. And I was like, I never heard of him. I'd never heard of all these people like the, the big, especially the big American ones. Um, I, I very much watched like small channels. And even now, most of the channels I watch are like under 500 subs, you know, small channels. Yeah. Uh, would you consider doing a collaboration with any other YouTubers? Oh yeah, I've done quite a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done loads actually. Like, I've had loads of people on my channel, um, yeah. just like doing little bits, or I've done bits on theirs, or I've done a couple of like Christmas memories things where, like, you know, I think the last one was something like ninety YouTubers just sharing a Christmas memory. It was like two hours long. That was great. That was really cool to get everyone in. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if I want, if I want someone for something everyone's pretty much willing to do stuff and if i get asked i'm willing to do stuff so that's very cool that's very cool how'd you come up with ideas for your videos what made you sort of choose what you're doing now i don't know i i don't know really where stuff comes from it's more just like what's what interests me that i'm going to enjoy making so yeah like i uh, got this series like cancelled games and that's really interesting because i just learned about all these cancelled games and i know like people would like to see that because i like to see that um but a, a lot of it's just kind of i'll get i've got like folders and folders and and documents of ideas and a lot of them just kind of don't come to fruition and then some of them are just good ideas and they work so it's kind of just experimentation really um but i'm trying to transition into more like incorporating interviews and stuff into things so when i was thinking about doing a video i just think you know which which games do do i love and i would actually love to interview the developers of that game you know and then whether the video turns out to be good or not it's like a dream to speak to these people anyway so it's like win-win you know yeah yeah i mean how have you then evolved your channel since you started would you say is it have you sort of changed sort of changed the content to go along with YouTube or have you just changed it from what you like to make? Yeah, I, you enjoy uh, making. It's a small channel. Like I really, it really doesn't affect me what anyone else is doing or like what YouTube is doing or anything. So it hasn't really evolved in that sense. But like I said, it used to be just me with like a camera and showing stuff I'd bought like retro games but because I stopped doing that so much and I was like well I actually I, I want to keep making videos so I started experimenting with doing editing stuff like you know showing some Mega Drive games or DOS games or whatever it was but like you know more of a voiceover thing yeah um and then I just can't like been doing that more and more and then because it was like heavily heavily edited and I had to teach myself like how to edit this stuff uh, that became like really addictive to me. Like that was like a new hobby, like not just collecting games, but this new hobby of editing the videos and that whole process. And that I became like super addicted to that. I still am. I absolutely love it. And like, I love sitting there and doing all the editing and everything. So just from doing that for a few years now, just like slowly getting better and better every time really. And just trying to get that audio better and the editing better and tighter and everything. And it's, yeah, it's just great fun, you know? That's cool. Uh, so I've seen your collection. It's absolutely massive. Uh, you can check him. You've got a website you? on a retro tip.com. Is that correct? Oh God. Yeah. That's old man. Yeah. I don't think I've updated that in about six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could go see this main collection. Is, is that collection still there? Have you improved oh, on it's it? Or... Very, very much changed since those days. 
um very much changed yeah i mean it's constantly evolving this collection like every every couple of months stuff's going out stuff's coming in um it would look very different now um, what's the rarest thing you have in your collection well, i don't really have i don't know if i have rare stuff so the only rare things i would say is i have some uh, do you know uh, there's a game called pierre solar which was released for the dreamcast um and I have some concept art from that, which is the only one in existence. Um, wow. I have uh, a Fallout New Vegas, actually. You know the collector's edition of Fallout New Vegas on PS3? I have number one of 6,650. Um, wow. Which just was kind of an accident. Um, but I, sp- I suppose like the rarest stuff is, just, is like my signed stuff, just because it's like a nice memory when I got them signed. So I've got like Streets of Rage 1 and 2 records signed by Yuzo Koshiro. Um, wow. When I met him, I met him at, met him at Fabric actually. He did a live set at Fabric of all the all the Streets of Rage and Shinobi music. It was yeah. nuts. Um, and I've also got a signed Doom Two big box um, that John Romero signed when I met him. Um, so I kind of really like those. I suppose you'd call them rare because they're just you know unique to me, but they're probably not worth yeah. much because you know it kind of devalues things getting stuff signed. Um, but but it's kind of more valuable to me you know yeah personal so we know you've got a massive collection but your thing is sega what is it about sega that you love so much i I think it i think a lot of it's nostalgia you know like when they always say oh what was better the spectrum of the commodore 64 and the answer is always going to be the one you had as a kid um and i grew up i had a mega drive um i did have a game boy as well um but the mega drive is really the thing for me, I, ha- I had an Amiga as well. Like my all-time favorite systems, Amiga. But uh, yeah, massive memories of the Mega Drive. But then after, it's weird because after that, I kind of drifted away from Sega, and I didn't have a Saturn or ever even see one. But then when I got my first place of my own, I moved out of my parents' house, and that, that was like um, April two thousand. So I would have been nineteen, and I and uh, I, li- I lived with two guys, and we had a Dreamcast and just you know you just got your first freedom you know what that's like and you're just playing uh games like all night and smoking and drinking and this that and the other and uh yeah just good times so i just i think a lot, a lot of it's nostalgia you know what cool. well, how did your collection start then have you still got your collection or has it got bigger or smaller since that uh yeah. since that website went up um i'd say it's got smaller i hope it's got smaller um it, it is massive if you guys haven't seen it it's it's insane how much you actually have so it's funny have. it's funny because like among all the collectors that i know on youtube no, no one would class my collection as as big but if you if you have anyone who's a normal person and, and yeah. not men mental come into here <laughs> right yeah. come come into this room they're like what the hell you know and uh, like misses have mates come in and they're just like, <gasps> you know, like with shock. Uh, it's funny, man. Um, but I mean, it is big. Like, you know, anyone who's got this many games, it, it, it's not normal, is it? Um, I always I've say I've never seen that many games in one place. No. Collect, collecting is a, bit, a little bit like a like a, you know, mental illness in a way. Um, I think having that mentality of being a collector of anything is is kind of bordering on being a hoarder, you know. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's pretty big. I've got a, we got a, we got a three bed house. It's, we don't have kids, so that one of the bedrooms is just all games. 
and then I've got loads downstairs and loads under my bed and everything but they're all out of sight so you can't see any games you walk to my house you cannot see a single game you'd never know I play games but then you walk in this room and it's like okay wow <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like you've got a 50 shades of grey fetish room in there, yeah. <laughs> hidden away yeah. in the back of your house uh, how would you say what would be your goals for the future going forward as far as collecting or YouTube or uh, collecting goals I just kind of go with the flow at the moment and just there's there's like a few things I want to nail down like you know childhood games that I had that I haven't managed to pick up at a good price but but I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. it just kind of if I see something I'll grab it but there's nothing really I'm like you know got my uh, my eyes set on really and, and in terms of YouTube I just don't really have goals I never had it's just kind of enjoy making videos and whatever happens happens you know um, very cool mm. so we're going to jump into a quick competition uh, we actually were going to do this with Larry we never got around to it though uh, so 10 retro songs so this is basically going to be testing your gaming music knowledge uh, Callum's actually going to play the music in just a sec uh, you need to get three on the first one which is easy I think you'll probably get the first three uh, medium uh, is going to be two you have to get two right and then hard level uh you have to pick one right uh, so Callum's going to play the first one and you have to guess what the song is called so am i guessing the game yes you have to guess basically we're going to play a soundtrack from some retro games and you have to guess the name of the game or the franchise should say that it comes from mm -hmm. uh, so Callum's going to play the first one cool are you ready retro yep i'm ready yep right so Callum, begin the first song, please. It works. What uh, is that game? Uh, I don't know. I don't know which game. Um, I know the franchise is Sonic. Yeah. But it's. It sounds like everybody super Sonic racing. That one on the Yay! Saturn. There you go. You got one right. Well done. <laughs> that is number one. Correct. Well done. Right. So we're going to play the second one in just a sec. Let me try and get this back. You are playing all 10, aren't you? Not all 10. No, he has to get three from the easy row. Oh, I think you should play all of them just to see how many he gets. I'm down. Okay. <laughs> so second one. Okay, name that game. God. Sounds familiar, but I don't think I'm going to get it. Did you want another go? Yeah. Can I don't know. you guess that game? No, I, I, I don't know. Oh, okay. So that is one down. You have two more. Next one coming up. Streets of Rage. Yeah, Streets of Rage what? Two. There you go. Correct. Correct. Well done. All right, last one. If you can get this, you're through to the next round. Here we go. Uh, the game Super Mario World. Close. No. Mario, Brothers, Mario Brothers 3. There yes. we go. Well done. <laughs> Three right. 
Uh, you're through to the next round. Well done. Uh, so this is going to be the medium level. Uh, you have to get two right out of all three uh, to move on to the next round. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Name that game. Damn it, I'm sure that's the Sonic, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Which one? Oh, God. Sonic 3. Yeah. Yes. Which track, though? You passed that, but which track do you think it is? Bonus points if you can get it. Um, it's, it's early. It's early. I'm sure it's an early one. Oh god! I think it's second or third level when it comes, something like that. Oh no, no, no! It's one of the multiplayer maps. Is it? Oh. I don't it, know. It's a, it's a competitive. It's the one where you race against each other, where the screen right. is smaller. I right. think it's that one. Yeah, well, th- do, you, do you think we should give it to him? He's got. Oh, it's so late. I, th- I think I take a vote, Tony. What do you say? Uh, I think he, I think you should give it to him. Give it to him because he, yep. he was very I, I'm, very. I'm yeah, so, right, okay, so on, you got on one right. Here we go. Yeah. Second song is coming up just now. Name that game. God damn it! It's, it's definitely a SNES game because you can tell by the sounds. Um, yeah. I I I'm I'm gonna half guess and say a link to the past. Ah uh, no. No. Which, which franchise should we give him a hint of franchise? Yes, I, I think one hint will do. Go on, you can. Well, two hints because he got one thing wrong, and I don't think he's gonna get it right if we don't tell him. Right, one hint. It's not. Super Nintendo. It's oh, another wow. Nintendo. Bloody hell. The next one. Wow. Up. That's all it's, I'm it's, it's sound, saying. It sounds so Super Nintendo. That's crazy. It was so, a game that was in development for the Super Nintendo, but got ported to the next system. Would you like another listen? Yeah, uh, is, it, is it Star Fox or something? Uh, yes. What's it called? Star, yes. Fox, Star Fox. Uh, uh, what's it called? Lilac what's the next Wars. system? Lilac Wars. Wars. Lilac Wars 64. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well done. Right. <laughs> that is two. You are now through to the hard round. You have to get one right to win. Uh, I think we're going to do this for the next guest after you as well and see if they can beat your score. But yeah. your last level, you have two songs. You have to get one right. Here we go. Here's the first song coming up. Name that game. No idea. No idea. No idea. Vetcat Adventure, I guess. If you can pick one. It's if you listen closely to the bit tune, you can tell which system it's on. Yeah, even then, I just, I think, I mean, I've got no, no nowhere to start with a guess. 
It's an arcade game, Sega arcade game. Okay. Hmm. Do you want to play a game? Uh, uh, I'll, 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 I'll guess, okay. which is going to be... Nah, that's going to be wrong, man. <laughs> this is a hard round for a reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many Sega arcade games, and I assume it's on the Mega Drive, right? Yep, yep. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound like OutRun or Super Hang-On. Nope, none of that. Um, it's not a Super no. Scaler. Not no. a Super Scaler. Okay. I am the foggiest yeah I am the foggiest we're we're gonna move on to the second track then Uh, this is gonna be the last track to get through the hard level here we go Name that game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're in, the, we're in the realm. I liked it. I liked it. Um, I think we're in the realms of no clue again. Um, it's not an arcade game. This one, he's very similar to Rayman. In this, but he's not. But he's on a Sega console. Yeah. And I mean that could that could be several characters like Rye Star or um, what's his name? Yeah, um, Spark uh, Sparkster or whatever his name is. Yeah, but um, Rayman, what makes him unique to a lot of those characters? Jesus, like the game in a way similar character. Can you play it again, please? <laughs> yes. I can. Think clearly. Name that game. Oh, man. I'm going to have to rush you for time. We're running out yeah, of time. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. Rocket Night Adventures, I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. no. Uh, so you got one, two, three, four, five right. Three wrong. Uh, the one on the easy level you got wrong was Doom E1M4 Kitchen Ace. Oh, wow. And the two hard levels was Bonanza Bros on Sega Genesis title theme. And the other one's Blast Heedy Heedy the Hero. What, uh, Dynamite Heady? Yes. Right. I should have guessed Dynamite Heady, actually, with Callum's clue. Yeah, there you go, because he's got a detachable head, and it's yeah. like, Bearman's got knee limbs. So, well, right, so you got right. to the medium level. Uh, if we have another guest, then we'll see if we can beat it. You did that in six minutes uh, to the hard level. Let's see if somebody else can beat your score the next time we come back on with that thing. Thank you very much for playing. Cheers. Thank you for having us. Let's see you Yeah, Thank you. Uh, so thank we're going to chat with the last segment of the news. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in just a second on the ICU Gamer podcast. You're listening to the ICU Gamer official podcast on icugamer.com. Welcome back. Uh, final question. Uh, we do this every week. 
This is the tips and tricks segment. Uh, so the question this week, gentlemen, one retro game franchise you'd like to see remade? Well, wait, what qualifies as retro? I mean, can we, we need to know. Before 2001, I think will be considered retro at this point. Right. I think okay. we need a revived nuts. Nuts. You play as a squirrel. <laughs> yes, I remember that game. <laughs> So what, what about you? what about you, Peter? What would, you, what, what would you say? What are we qualifying as? Are we saying actually a remake or or just a franchise coming back as a sequel oh, or whatever? Uh, I'm saying remake, like a remade game for now's audience. But you can you can class it as a game you'd like to see coming back as a. <sighs> Got quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pick one out of the bunch, <laughs> if I had to pick one. As, as as a literal remake, um, I'd probably say I'd probably say Time Splitters. That would be very cool. I'd like to say that as well. What about you, Tony? All right. So I I love my versus my one on one fighters, and uh, I would love to see Bushido Blade made again. Uh, maybe a sequel, just two parts. A uh, very different fighting game, and uh, yeah, I'd like to see a part three or a remake. Uh, there is one game I think I'd like to see remake though is Virtual Fire Two. I'd like Virtual to see Fire a remake. Two. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Nice. So we had Virtual Fire Two, Nuts, uh, Time Splitters. What was yours, Tony? Bushido Blade. Bushido, Bushido Blade. We'll put that poll up on Twitter if you guys want to vote. Uh, make sure you also follow us Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, you can check out our YouTube. We'll have the walkthroughs on there, and we stream every Friday and Saturday on Twitch. We are going to be streaming. Uh, Next Saturday, when this podcast comes out, uh, we will be on uh, Twitch. Well, tonight's Friday will be on tomorrow. Um, if you'd like to join us on Twitch, um, please drop a like on the video uh, and also make sure you follow us. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Callum, Tony, thank you once again. Thank you. And thank you, thank you. for joining us, too. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me, man. Good times. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, you can go check out our Retro Tips YouTube channel on a retro tip. Uh, make sure you subscribe, give him a follow, and watch some of his videos. They are pretty good. Uh, I'm Ben the Major. Thank you very much for joining us once again on episode nine of the IC Gamer podcast. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place. Take care, guys. Good night. Good night. night.